New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Kristen Muller. She is the author of What Are You Waiting For? Kristen, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. You start off your book telling the story, the devastating story of having your home burn up in a wildfire in Colorado. So so can you just describe a little bit of that to us? Yes, you know, I had the what many people fear happening, returning home to find everything I loved in a, a pile of rubble. And it's, it's hard to say, well, I lost everything except for the suitcase of stuff. But essentially, we lost everything. We, we got our dogs out, our computers out, a bag of precious things, and then lost our home and all of our worldly possessions and also lost our land because we had 37 acres that ended up scorched and burned. And in the midst of all of this, you were commissioned to re-edit an older version of this book, Waiting. And how did that affect you? Then suddenly you've had this devastation and you're writing about waiting and then this happens. How yeah. How did you hold these things together? Yes, you know, I had, just like you said, earlier that year, the fire happened in March of 2012. And earlier that year, I'd said yes to do this rewrite of this book. And it was truly going to be that. It was just going to be a cleanup and kind of put it back out there in the world and with a new publisher with Viva Editions. And but after the fire, it could no longer be that same book. It just, the fire burned away so much of who I thought I was and what I thought I was doing and what I thought I was here for and what I believed about waiting and what I believed about other people's waiting. And I have a master's in counseling. I've done a lot of study in this realm of human experience. And it just had me stop dead in my shoes and actually explore another aspect of waiting of when it's okay to wait and cultivate patience versus just, I'm not promoting people just go into blind action. I'm saying sometimes we have to sit and be and kind of be with something. And so that's what I got to do prior to this book, actually a conscious waiting to then go into looking at why we wait on a deeper level. Being prior to that time, a real workshop junkie, you really start to have to go deeply into this idea of waiting and and you you just can't write the same book that you might have written no. before the fire no how is it different yeah when you go through such a transformation in life you know I, I fortunately when the fire happened it was obviously devastating and still you know makes me cry sometimes and three of my neighbors died in that fire so it was a horrific experience um but I knew, fortunately, I had done so much work that I did know that transformation would happen if I did the work to have that happen. And I knew that, you know, there were so many metaphors, Phoenix arising from the fire. And so, um, you know, I, I just delved into this topic of waiting on a whole nother level where I explored really why we wait to be perfect, why we wait to get at some point of arrival, the deeper nooks and crannies into our souls of where we wait. Did you feel a kind of 
urgency then to get on with something afterwards, after the fire that you started to feel, okay, now what am I waiting for now? You know, that's that's an interesting question because no, I really didn't so much get a sense of urgency. I talk in this book about gentle knocks. Maybe it doesn't have to take the fire burning your house down, the diagnosis from the doctor, the phone call you never hoped you get in the middle of the night, you know, things like that, those large emergencies in life for us to wake up and live our one wild precious life. Maybe we don't have to wait for that. You know, after the fire, part of what did get burned away for a while was that sense of urgency of being driven. Because I really found prior to the fire, when I was looking at writing this book, I realized that I still was driven on so many levels, driven to succeed, driven to be someone, driven to get somewhere. And all these standards that I was still holding myself to, even though I had been an explorer of this why we wait in life, I don't want to encourage people to go into being driven when you're, you know, so don't wait, okay, be (laughs) driven. That's not the point. And so it was really looking at if I didn't have the drivenness, if we could take that away and we could just let ourselves be, what naturally is there that wants to come forth? Who do we really want to be when we grow up? What kind of person do we really want to be? And allowing that to emerge and not waiting for that any longer. I love that because you remind me that the book is filled with these like gentle knocks and you just give some question that we might ponder. And I personally, I love to collect good questions because I feel that they are more helpful than any answer I've gotten from a teacher right. or a guru or anything, but a good question. Yeah, that's funny you say that because I've written a lot of words in there. And, you know, I definitely have had people read my books and then say, oh my gosh, the questions you asked in there, you know, I got so much for that. I love good questions as well. I'm terrible when I read a book. I'm terrible at actually doing the exercises in a book. So I didn't fill this book with too many. I filled it with stories, my stories and other people's stories. But then, like you said, I have these questions and I really just ask you, even if you're not good at it, even if it's something you normally wouldn't do, don't use it as just a speed bump that you barely slow down for and then keep moving. Actually, truly let yourself sink into the questions. Do it however is most comfortable for you, but have a journal with you when you're writing it. Just jot down little notes and let stuff percolate. Let yourself think because otherwise, truly, if you don't do that, you're still waiting. There's there's evidence right there. there You're still waiting. (laughs) And that reminds me that you now design and help conduct um, writing retreats. Is that right? Can you describe those? Yeah. You know, I've been coaching authors for a few years. I went from being a therapist to being a life coach to now specifically coaching authors. And, And particularly, I work with women. And so I started after the fire holding writing retreats. I call them firewalker writing retreats. And I bring women together to write their stories. And actually, you don't even have to be a writer wanting to write a book to do these retreats. I'm having using writing as a transformational tool for people to get more in touch with all these hidden things and the stories and the stuff that keeps us trapped and get in touch with dreams and goals. And then maybe you actually discover that you are a writer and then you want to write a book. And then that's kind of a next step. But I bring people to my land and we stay in vintage Airstream trailers and a yurt and we are with the land that is at one time so vastly beautiful and just amazing and people see this this the far-ranging view out in the mountains out in the middle of nowhere and then they also see the devastation of a fire 
And I really ask people to hold both of those spaces in themselves, both the the devastation and destruction that's there and the ugliness that's there, as well as the awe-inspiring beauty. And so we kind of use it as a metaphor. It's really amazing, amazing work. It must be amazing. How often do you do that? I do them right now in the summer. We're now actually building a cabin on that land about to move back in. Um, So I'm scheduling around my uh, building of that. It's going to make the retreats a little more cushy. (laughs) So you're building where the fire took place again. Is that scary for you? Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. This is happening really quickly. We're actually going to be on a reality TV show filming us moving into a tiny home which is all poetic justice because the fire was so public um, and we were on TV a lot during that. And now we're going to be on TV of the building of this thing. And it's a cabin kit and it's actually arriving next Friday and it's going to start going up and we're going to be moving in about a month and a half. Oh, that's huge. Now it's been a couple of years since a fire rushed through Mm Do you notice little signs of yeah. life? What a metaphor there, too, because I, you know, in this whole exploration of grief and how we are about grief and how we're supposed to hurry through grief and how I gave myself permission for the first time ever to truly have my grief in all its forms for as long as I needed to have it. I then look at my land and I see you cannot hurry the land. You cannot ask the trees to come back any sooner than they're going to come back. You cannot ask the grass to start blooming. You know, you can't ask that. It's going at its own pace and it's going. You can see the progress. So last summer, it was just miraculous. It was just the ground cover came back, green on the ground cover. And then wildflowers, this one particular area where the rocks went down a hill, all these purple flowers popping up everywhere. And then little groves of aspen, little thin baby aspen starting to come up. And now I have to say that this is the worst time to go out there. The winter is the hardest time and we're coming into spring and, you know, so it's it's not started yet and yet you know it's going to. And then there's kind of this hope and can I... Can I truly trust it? Can I hope enough? Will it really start to come back? And just how rich that is for looking at my own process and our own process of recovering from something and all that of, I think I'm getting better. Am I getting better? I see signs of life. Okay, here it comes. And by the time I go next to my land, it will be there will be more green and we might start to see some wildflowers and then it'll be even more than last summer. So yeah, it's it's pretty miraculous to watch the land come back. I'm just trying to imagine when you first laid eyes on those purple flowers, Mm. what was that like for you? I can remember it so clearly. You know how in life we just rarely remember much so clearly. And we built a yurt um, at the end of last summer and sitting in that yurt and looking up at the side of the hill with those rocks and that so many of the rocks still have blackness and around the blackness that are the the, you know, the forest that once was, but then these purple life coming up, it was just extraordinary. I couldn't even, couldn't even take it in. And I tried to photograph it and it just didn't work. It was just so beautiful. So now you have it in your mind's I eye. I have yeah. it in my mind's eye. And look forward to it each I year. Do. Yeah, that's beautiful. One of the things that, that you wrote about that was really tough for me to read. And that was when you working out all the details after the fire with the bureaucracies and everything and in the banks and the insurance companies. And so you get this insurance check and you take it to the bank and you deposit it. And what did the bank do yeah. with it? 
First of all, we discovered, much to our uh, dismay, that we were grossly underinsured, as many people are, especially in any kind of custom home, and especially up in the mountains where everything's a little different. So we were massively underinsured, and so we were very tight on money. And in order to look into doing what we wanted to do and looking into building and living expenses and all that kind of stuff. And so, yes, I, we finally got that first big check, you know, and we're going to pay down some debt and we're going to have something to live on. And we were actually buying a trailer. We were going to live in a trailer for a little while. And I walk in the bank thinking I'm going to deposit it and only to find that they actually hold it in an escrow account to dole it out as you go. And you have to have your building plans and you have to have the contractor sign off on things and it goes in stages and it's only upon completion that you actually get all the money. And I had no idea. I mean, how, how is one to know when you're signing up for your insurance, you are not reading the fine print where it says these type of things, you know, and it's that was so shocking. shocking and dismaying. And, and yeah, it was not a good moment. So you have this plan and you're thinking it's going to look this way and suddenly it takes a right angle mm-hmm. turn and it's going to look this way. Yeah. How did you cope? You know, I mean, that's kind of the story of the fire in general. You know, just life was looking a particular way and then all of a sudden it took. And that's with any tragedy that comes in and alters our life like that. And I mean, I truly, I coped through writing. I turned to my writing and um, wrote the good, the bad and the ugly in, in just letting myself say it all. And I got so much feedback during that time of so many people thanking me for being willing to say all that and not have it all wrapped up in a neat little package of, you know, how transforming this and overcoming that, you know, is really truly just the the day-to-day of what it's like to walk through fire. I just would love for you to say a few words about your idea that life evolves. It's not an arrival. We're evolving and it's very fluid. I think of mm-hmm. it like a river. I mean, it's very fluid and that's something that really comforts you. Yes, the evolution of um kind of growing and changing and, you know, just going with the flow of what comes up and what what life does deal us. And, you know, some of us more than others have things thrown into our lives. And, you know, are we going to just kind of get dammed up and stuck and continually thrown against the rocks? Or is it ultimately going to break loose and we're going to go with it and go places we never thought we'd go before? I mean, if I could wave a magic wand, I would not have the fire have happened. I mean, three of my neighbors died in that fire and I would not have that have happened. And I want my house back. I want my trees back, all of that. Yet the adventures that life has taken us on since then, the person I'm becoming, that I allow myself more to have more of my messy humanity and then provide that space for others, you know, I wouldn't trade that. And so I'm a believer in, you know, life happens We go through it the way we go through it individually. We have our experience. We start to learn. We bring it with us. We don't overcome it and leave it behind. We incorporate it and bring it with us in our being. And so you recognize along the path what I call firewalkers, other firewalkers. I can look into your eyes and see you as a fellow firewalker, someone who has traveled the path, who life has left its scars and its its marks, just like that forest that will never, ever, ever be the same, but will be beautiful and grow up into something else. That's how we become but we carry it with us too. 
Thank you so much for being with us, Kristen, on the New Dimensions Cafe. That was so beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've been speaking with Kristen Muller, and she's the author of What Are You Waiting For? Learn How to Rise to the Occasion of Your Life. And if you'd like to know more about her work and her blog, you can go to her website, kristenmuller.com. That's spelled K-R-I-S-T-E-N-M-O-E. L-L-E-R dot com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.